Welcome to BrandBots, an AI marketing podcast designed to teach you practical strategies for implementing AI into your marketing business. I'm your host, Nick Taylor. Dave Clark is a filmmaker and creative force who's directed commercials for major brands as well as multiple narrative films, including his 2019 feature, After She Wakes. In the marketing world, you probably know Dave best by the stunning AI spec ads he's done on Nike, Adidas, and Tesla. If you haven't, head down to the show notes below and watch these videos. What they are are essentially spec commercials made entirely with AI without any official brand involvement, and they are breathtaking. With his spec videos, Dave's been a real pioneer in the AI marketing conversation by showing what accessible AI tools like Midjourney, Magnific, and Runway are capable of when you mix them together with a killer eye. Dave's understanding of cinema and filmmaking has seriously enabled him to get incredible results. And in this episode, Dave details his exact process for making his AI videos, as well as predictions on the future of AI's role in filmmaking. And if you listen to the very end, you'll hear Dave's never before revealed secret tool that elevates his videos. This was a really fun and educational conversation. Dave delivers some serious insights on all things generative AI. I hope you enjoy it. This episode starts now. Dave Clark in the house. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me, man. I'm a fan of your show and, and happy to be part of your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that, man. I, I originally had a couple softball questions in the beginning, but just to pick up on our conversation we we're having seconds ago, you recently spoke to a thousand SAG members about AI and the future of filmmaking. I want to know all about how that went. I think because I come from a traditional uh, filmmaking background, I feel like it was almost like my moral responsibility since I also dabble in the AI world of filmmaking and creating a buddy of mine, Rob Niederhorst. He's big in the VFX community. He, he recently did Spy Kids. I think he even did The Last of Us, a few wow. episodes of that. Super talented dude. He actually reached out to me because of my AI work and was like, look, we should talk. I want to collaborate. Let's try to figure out this train together and figure out this ride together. Um, so we became really close and then he was asked to do a webinar basically for the first for the VFX community and then also for uh, SAG-AFTRA uh, about the incorporation of AI, how that affects the VFX pipeline, how it affects like digital doubles and kind of like the concerns that a lot of actors were having. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he put on a webinar. He asked me to speak about speak on the webinar and I was brought in as the AI filmmaker or AI director, quote unquote. So you can imagine the response was met with a little hesitance. Like, I who is imagine. this guy? Yeah, we showed like a, one of my little short pieces that used generative AI for the Dismal Swamp, which was a screenplay that I wrote, mm-hmm. a concept that I wrote. So we shared that and then I just discussed like how I see the future and me personally, and I'm someone who's deep in and heavy into the AI community. I still want to use live actors. I still want to shoot with film cameras. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's my background. I studied film. I, I enjoy being on set. And I think that's very important for me to get across for a lot of the people who are either against AI or maybe fearful. And I think one of the most important things that I said to the SAG, the actors and the acting community was like, look, new technology is scary all the time. And no matter what the technology is, whenever it's introduced to the population, there's always that awkward period. Is it going to replace jobs? Who's going to be affected? Is my job going to be affected? I think it's a natural 
human reaction to fear and be afraid and put up your guards against anything. Like yeah. you remember when Photoshop came out, there was a huge thing with photographers and graphic designers that lasted years. It's still going on. Uh, the digital camera, when that came into the filmmaking field, you still had a lot of traditional filmmakers and some of the best filmmakers in the world saying that we still want to shoot film. So I feel like no matter what, there's going to be that that awkward period but i feel like there's a moment to coalesce and there's an opportunity to coalesce and i think someone like myself someone like rob are like the people that need to talk about it right, right. we are the guys who still love cinema and the history of film and, and and the tangible and like the being on set the practical effects i'm a huge horror fan so i yeah. grew up with the practical effects like i still want to incorporate but i think they're on, on flip side there's a chance and i just did a um i, I think i said to you the, the no film school pod, no film school blog uh, oh, website. Yeah. I, yeah, I did an article because I just did a short film. We released a trailer that somehow went viral, got like millions of views. This stuff still freaks me out how some things go and some things don't. But it got a lot of traction, a lot of heat. And my whole thing was like, look, here's a great example of live action mixing with AI, mixing with traditional VFX. And it's like for indie filmmakers, especially, it's like I'm trying to like, especially my friends and, and colleagues, like, like educate on the fact that you can use AI uh, tools as exactly that, tools to enhance a vision. It's not going to take over anything. You don't have yeah. to allow it to take over someone's job or take over a film. It can be no different than using CGI, using some other computer program to enhance, which we all use. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all using Maya, After Effects, Premiere, like all these things are still computer generated stuff that's coming into play when you're making your film. It's just AI has that history of being something that's trying to replace humans. And from my standpoint, I think if you're able to control that narrative, like why not control that narrative as a filmmaker? I feel like your approach is the approach that I think more filmmakers need to hear is that film, even though in the context of Martin Scorsese talking about how cinema is in danger, which I do agree with. I do think big yeah. blockbuster Marvel movies left, right, and center are over-dominating sure. cinema. Um, but I don't think AI echoes the end of cinema. I think it's like people like you who love film, who love being on set, love real actors, practical effects, doing yeah. is just love the craft of it, who can find the use cases that, that are not going to replace people, but it's just going to make things a lot easier and look better, too. I think the implications of it with film are enormous, particularly pitching a film. I was yeah. looking at your trailer concepts and they look amazing and it's way better than sending somebody like, all right, here's my log line and here's my deck and here's some images from the internet I found. Absolutely. You can just dial in your vision and as a visual communication tool, it's incredible. I yeah. think there's so many use cases. I feel like your approach is what more filmmakers need to hear. Yeah, that's actually a great thing that you brought up because it was actually brought up in the SAG conversation. I mentioned the Dismal Swamp trailer that I created completely in AI and someone had asked, well, how many jobs could you have provided in making a trailer? And, and like, how many jobs did you take away by making something like that? And I was thinking like, no, from, from the, the 15 or so years I've been in the filmmaking space, I've seen guys rip people's work all the time and create trailers and pitch decks and rip Scorsese's images or Christopher Nolan's images and put it in their decks and try to sell a concept. Yep. And I was like, at least in this case, I'm still like creating it from quote unquote scratch right. when you're like prompting visuals and creating imagery to build a story. And I was like, in this case, I'm not taking jobs away from anyone because if I would have done this traditional way, I would have just stole images from right. Tarantino and, and all these filmmakers that already made these movies, which yeah. everyone does. That's why they call it a rip-o-matic because you're literally ripping sources from other people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but it's like, also like you so wouldn't have hired somebody to make that material. You would have done it yourself. It would have taken days, if not weeks. And exactly. it wouldn't look the way it looks. The fact that you can just dial in everything from the camera angles, the visuals, the camera lenses, the style, the lighting, like you don't have to communicate anything or with too much articulation anymore, except for in the prompts, you need to describe exactly what you want. But trying to get your vision across now, like you can nail the tone, you can communicate so much to a producer now. It's incredible. I look at it the flip side too. So if this film goes and it sells, it's like now all of a sudden you're creating millions of dollars worth of jobs that go. never would have existed. And the cool thing about it is because I wrote a script, I'm just feeding in my script prompts, like my script scenes and like action scenes and beats oh, that's cool. and coming up with. And that's the way the AI worked with Mid Journey version six is it's very much like writing a, an, a descriptive scene mm. to get your image. So you really can dial in and get what you wrote and your vision, which I think is amazing. Tell me more about your process for that, because I'm starting to use V6, and it's definitely yeah. different. But what is your process like from adapting your screenplay into mid-journey and getting those images and dialing those prompts in? For sure. Like, it's just, for instance, like, if we go back to, like, Dismal Swamp, for example, there was a shot of a woman submerged. Like, she basically was hanging, and she fell in, into water. So I was able to literally recreate the scene of her body dropping through the swamp, which to me was incredible because I couldn't have ripped that off from anyone. Yeah, no nobody's really done shown, that. shown that shot. Yeah, so I had, and then, yeah, that to me was incredible. So yeah, I just literally fed it in, like the, the script that I wrote the script from the screenplay, like the action of what happened, like woman falls from a tree into water, a large splash, almost literally like the way you would write it in a script, which I found so interesting. So yeah, it's crazy how those things can work now. But yeah, like I said, five years ago, ten years ago, we wouldn't even—I wouldn't have been able to show that to the degree that I need to show it to even yeah. get someone interested. But now you can. Yeah, and I feel like we're still in that era where not a lot of people have caught on. And I think pitching movies now—it's silly not to use it as a tool because I think it's going to be the expectation. In maybe a year from now, every pitch is going to have to be accompanied by some sort of mm -hmm. AI-generated, like, short video, like a short of your oh. movie generated in AI that you're going to be expected to show to just to really communicate everything, from the tone, the visuals, the feeling, all of that stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's not too late to be early when it comes to this. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing I try to preach on, on all social medias. Whenever I uh, put something out, I'm like, look, guys, like, I get it. I get where you're coming from because it gets a lot of flack. It gets a lot of praise. It gets a lot of yeah. flack. That's what makes things go viral, right? You want to get the debate and both sides of the community talking about it. Uh, that always helps. But yeah, to me, that's, yeah, this is, it's like it's, ha it's happening, right? Every time you go on Instagram, every ad is about AI, every mm -hmm. freaking story. And I understand both sides of people getting tired of seeing it, fatigued from seeing everything AI. But at the same time, it's like, if you're in a creative industry, you got to prepare yourself because if you don't, then yes, you will get replaced, not by AI, but by somebody who's using AI, which is doggone truth. So I'm just like, dude, Get up on it, brush up your skills. Every friend I talk to in the industry, like, pay attention. Yeah. Don't just put your nose up in the air and think you're too good because it's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you got to get ready for it. I feel like you're very much a pioneer in figuring out how to use AI the way that you have been using it. Like, you with your trailers, with the Adidas commercial, with the Nike commercial, how did you be one of the early adopters when it came to AI and particularly? this image and video gen tech. I actually got to give a shout out to my buddy who's actually a, a filmmaker uh, and producer, uh, Chris White. He's actually now executive producing a new film based off the Backrooms stuff that went viral on Reddit. With He's working with James Wan, 
21 laps and I think A24. He, like a year ago, he was like, yo, Dave, you got to get on this AI thing. And this was when it was just mid-journey, like V1 imagery that looked crappy. So he was early in on the game doing that. And I always give him kudos because it was like, he forced my hand. He was like, you got to be one of the first guys to really embrace the, the filmmaking side. These video tools are coming out. When I played around with the early video tools six months ago, I was like, oh, this looks like crap. I'm not, I'm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Probably a lot of the, the same opinions that all the filmmakers and artists had. Like, this, right. this, this is crap. Like, what you'd call this art? Like, I totally get where that came from because they probably saw like a lot of the early versions. But I, you know, if I say four to five months ago, I really kind of dived in. I was like, I had to make a choice. I was like, this could either really, I don't know if I can curse, but I'll just say, yeah, go for it. I said, this could really fuck up my career uh, trying to get in the filmmaking space or it could help. I like really diving feet, feet first and, and like putting stuff out there and, and at high quality volumes. I think because of my filmmaking editorial background, I was able to put stuff out that looked better than a lot of the flock that was just being posted on social media with like the same type of dystopian apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Like those, and I did that stuff too, because it's fun. Like yeah. the dystopian trailers and robots taking over. And I think everyone does that when you're first diving in. But as I started to say, wait a minute, no, I can actually craft these tools and, and do some of my own stories and some, some of my own ideas and they can actually come out looking decent. Yeah. So I think from that moment, I was like, dude, let me just, I literally, I think I might've stayed up three nights in a row and just went in on like generating and editing. And I got to put as much stuff out as I can. I got to show people there's a change coming. Like something's happening here. Yeah. Um, and then that's like the attitude I adopted. Even when I was getting the negative dude, like you're, it's funny too, because you get comments like, this is, you're not a real artist. You're not this. You suck. You, you'll never understand. I was like, dude, I went to art. I went to Pratt Institute and one of the number one art schools in the world. I drew people, naked people for eight hours a day for <laughs> four years. And I'm a fine arts major. You can't tell me I'm not a real artist. That's like when people say that, I almost have to correct. I'm like, first of all, no, I'm an artist. I went to art school. I went to film school. I worked in advertising. I worked in film. Like you can't call me. You can't say I'm not an artist. Yeah. But, but I get where you're coming from. I always try to approach you from, I get it. Yep. Like you're threatened. This is scary. When I first saw it, I was scared. I was like, is my career going to be in jeopardy? Right. So I sympath I think that's why I'm having the success that I'm having because I can still sympathize with that community yeah. because a lot of them are my friends and you think about like the star the quote-unquote starving artist the painter someone who's putting their passion into something and not getting the recognition they deserve we all feel that way but we can say the same thing about filmmakers who are probably we always say like the, the, the next christopher nolan hasn't been discovered yet but he might get discovered because of ai <laughs> because yeah, he's going to do something incredible someone in nebraska who isn't in hollywood who has a dope ass idea and a story or wrote an amazing script, but he doesn't have a friend who has a friend who has a friend who has an agent. It's just, I, I like it because I feel like those dudes, and I'm a, I'm a person of color, so I always think about people of color, like coming from like low, coming from the, com the communities, like the hood. And so I grew up in, I grew up in an in a, in a impoverished neighborhood. And, and I understand like, we didn't have all the, the great art schools and the and the, the greatest district for becoming artists and going to art school. I was actually lucky enough. I had a, a friend who had went to Pratt and she was from my neighborhood that I even knew what Pratt was or else I probably would have joined the military, oh, wow. uh, which my dad was in. Yeah. Uh, Cause I didn't think I had a shot at anything uh, growing up in that neighborhood um, and going to that school, which was, uh, like I said, predominantly low income, very impoverished. Like no one ever thought about being a filmmaker, being an artist. So for me, I think about, okay, now we have a set of tools that can allow that kid that's growing up in that neighborhood who doesn't have access to the top film equipment, the top art equipment, to have a chance to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like someone's going to come out of that situation and become the next Spike Lee, 
become the next M. Night Shyamalan. Like it's going to happen and they're going to come from nothing and they're going to have this amazing idea. And that to me is exciting. I feel like that's the change. That's the change of the guard that any indie filmmaker, if you're a true indie filmmaker, you should be super excited for. There are no more, the the gatekeepers are, are, the gates are opening basically for really cool ideas and especially in genre stuff. When you think about horror, sci-fi, like dude, we can make you know you we were, you and I were talking about this. You can make some nightmare full feel oh shit. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> like you yeah. can do anything you want. Yeah, I feel like you hit on a really important topic, which is the idea that you being artistically trained enabled you to be really good at AI because a lot of people are putting stuff out, but your work is very much rising to the top and going viral. And I think it's because you understand a lot of elements of art and visuals and design, and you're able to basically. put your standards on the work and material and which is why your stuff looks fantastic because of your artistic training so i think real artists like you who've gone to school for it who have degrees or or who are self-taught or who've been you know in the artistic industry for years are way better suited to use these tools than than non-artists i think it's going to be a real incredible tool for artists but i think again your background is a legitimate artist drawing naked people for eight hours a day that I am sure has helped your AI work look as phenomenal as it does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And it goes anywhere from like art to to design to to film even. Because if you, again, are a great storyteller, but don't know how to really write a screenplay or pick up a camera and make a film, that you can still have a chance to get your story out there. Maybe you get it out there and another filmmaker might help you make it or things like that. But I think you have an opportunity now to tell these stories. But yeah, I agree. And, that, and that's what, and I've seen a lot of like real artists, like painters, like try, mm-hmm. they really try to maybe showcase, hey, I tried this AI tool to enhance my thing. And, they, and then they got a lot of like hate and negativity and like it scared them away. And they're like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that mm-hmm. anymore. And, they, and that sucks because if you think about us, that's the way. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people who, who are hating on AI and, and almost like bullying people into not using it, I feel like that's worse. That's doing worse for the art community than actually try it. Like, let's see what you can do. Yep. I'm curious to see. It's almost, I don't know, I'd rather be with the, and the AI community in whole is a very positive community. I think that's what I like the most about it, as you are with a bunch of people who just love this idea of technology and art blending together and trying to we're all trying to figure this out together at the end right. of the day it's we don't know where it's going and, and i always tell people i, I didn't create mid-journey i didn't create ai can't be that <laughs> mad at me like yeah. you know <laughs> don't be mad at me i'm just a dude trying to use it and i'm smoking some weed and, and, yeah. and getting creative at night like just have, i'm just honestly that was one of my comments on reddit i had a, another thing that started to hit on reddit and someone was like like why would you even waste your time doing this shit you know if, if this was a real paid ad and you had a client behind you giving you feedback and notes like you couldn't do shit about it and i was like that's cool and all but that's what i get paid to do this is me like at night smoking a bong like just having some fun i'm sorry it, it turned out it affected you in this way again i'm just a dude just having fun being creative these comments though or i see them all the time even with posting my own stuff is the haters there are so many of them and they attack it from Mm. all the same obvious angles oh this was created by stealing the work of thousands of other artists and and all valid points but we've heard those we've heard it all before we've all we've heard it already like we have to move on i feel like there's two people in this equation those who are fighting the current and those who are building boats and surfboards the ones yeah. who were ready and then the ones who were just so resistant to it and then guilting you and shaming you for yeah. showing what you're doing somehow 
accusing you of perpetuating this AI movement, but it's like, no, the wave is coming. Nobody can do anything about it. Not just in, in art and visuals, but like left, right, and center for all industries are going to be completely yeah. put into upheaval with AI. It's yeah. So just don't fight the current. It's just silly to me that people, then there's so many of them, so many haters. And, and I hate getting into that, the political argument about stealing art, but, but I, I, someone made a good point. I don't know how it's, we, like I said, I didn't create AI. I don't know how it's happening. So I'm not going to comment on how I think it's happening. But I'll say yeah. this. If you think about any of the greatest artists and greatest filmmakers in the history of art and film, like who inspired them, right? Yeah. Someone inspired them. Yeah. Someone inspired the imagery. How many times have Tarantino took a shot direct, shot for shot? Oh, yeah. And, and Kill Bill is like 15 movies that we've, they're like really old, obscure movies. But yeah. So it's, yeah. So I'm sure like. AI is just another entity trying to learn what art is and what people think is great art. Like it's still, yeah, I'm pretty sure like the way it works is it's looking at other art and it's figuring mm -hmm. out what's cool, what's not cool for sure. But again, it, it's still down to the person who's prompting yeah. because you can prompt anything you want. So if I prompt a squirrel inside of a donut doing a backflip off of the Empire State Building, that's never happened before. Right. If you type in Walking Phoenix as a Joker from this scene and put in image references of what that looks like, then, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to look exactly like that, like a thousand percent. It's studied every single thing probably ever created. So, yeah, if you do, if you try to prompt it, yeah, you can get it. I'm a thousand percent sure. And it's going to look like it's stolen copyrights uh, and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, that's, the, that's you feeding the AI trying to get an image that exists. And yeah, I'm sure it's possible. Yeah. No, like they say, good artists copy, great artists steal. It's <laughs> Midjourney is a great artist. <laughs> Midjourney is one, probably the best artist ever. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, like, I don't mean to make light of it too much because I do understand the argument and it's a valid one, but it's yeah, becoming it moot. It's yeah. Okay. It, it totally has maybe stolen. But at the same yeah. time, it's not going anywhere. So let's move on. Let's like let's. Move what are we gonna do forward. about it, right? Exactly. Are exactly. We, yeah, we gotta do. We gotta do. Yeah, and as I said, I keep saying as artists because I want the artists to understand. Let's do something about it. Let's yeah. not sit back and let it take our jobs. Like, if that's right. what you're afraid of, like then don't let it. Like show them how you can because you're an artist how you can one up it. Like how can yeah. you plus it with using it as a tool, but then the plusing up your art. I still think there's a coalesce that can happen um, with real artists that I, I really do want the community to think about. Yeah, don't sit back and just wait for this thing to pass because it's not going to pass. It's yeah. going to become bigger and, and a, honestly, a greater, you could be at greater risk of losing work because, again, someone else is going to use the tools and enhance their art. Yep. So I, I don't want people to, like I said, just sit back and let it ride out and then get mad about it. I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I sure as hell ain't doing it. I'm going to use it as a tool to help advance my career and get me to where I need to get to and help tell the stories I want to tell. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing you can do. And if it works, cool. If it fails, but I, at least I tried. Yeah. And I think with your work, you were showing people what it, the systems are capable of and where it's all going. But the fact that yeah. you did one of those commercials on a lunch break, that's now. Yeah. Where? How easy yeah. is it going to be a year from now when you observe how fast Mid Journey got amazing? Six yeah. is crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty nuts. So, how was your process refined from going from the Adidas video to your to the new Nike video? Could you walk us through like your overall process? That I'm aware of the apps that you use to do it all, but for those yeah. who may not have seen some of your posts, what is your process like for yeah. creating those? And now that V6 came out, the prompting style has changed completely. So it's interesting because someone put out an article about it. Is the way we used to prompt when I did the Adidas thing. Completely different now. Mm -hmm. When I did the Nike and and the and even the Tesla spec film that I just did, it used to be like for like Adidas, I would be very like specific in fu future fashion model, wearing futuristic sneakers, 
Adidas logo, like neon glow, reflection. But now, I like with V6, it's more of a story, mm-hmm. a futuristic car commercial of a, a flying in the air over over a, a vastness of water. Like I, I'm describing it more, I would describe, like I said, like a scene mm-hmm. or setting up dialogue. Like it's almost like dialogue is about to follow right. the way I'm writing it out, which I it's more natural for me. So I think filmmakers who are actual screenwriters are going to enjoy it more. But when you're trying to prompt, it's not so technical. Right. You're not sitting there putting in parameters like chaos this weird that like you can actually just mess with some toggles and really just tell the story so that's how my process have changed from like the adidas all the way to where i met with nike and, and the tesla thing and while yes these definitely took me longer it wasn't like over a coffee break or whatever right. I think that's the reason why that adidas thing went crazy viral <laughs> we i had like, a feeling what now that looked like it took a lot of time effort and energy yeah, it was definitely more. And what I like to do is when I find imagery that I prompt from Midjourney, that I like to feed it back into the machine. So if oh, I prompt a dope image of a Tesla flying above a city, I'm like, that's dope. Let me feed that images and, and say, now can we, the Tesla now flying over a desert or now flying over water. But I like to use the images. When I find the images that I love after I prompt it, I, d- I definitely reuse those and re- re-feed those back into Midjourney, which I think Smart. is a trick not a lot of people do, yeah. especially when you're trying to get consistency. Because people always ask, how's your shit so consistent? Like, mm-hmm. how do you get the colors the same? Is all color correction? I was like, I, bar- I actually barely, I rarely do that much color correction. Wow. It's actually just because I've, I'm just using my same prompts, using the same, feeding the same imagery, and I'm keeping that same style. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously use Midjourney for generating the images and the overall ideas and then it goes yeah. into runway oh no you, there's an upscaler that you use too right so yeah so a lot of the times yeah because you can upscale in in mid-journey right now i don't think you can upscale v6 i think you it's yeah which is weird tuned. like you can upscale there's two options you can upscale in yeah. a subtle way or upscale in a creative way and i still don't understand yeah <laughs> i gotta so, play yeah, with I that just, a little more I just download the regular lower res image and then bring that into Magnifique, which I actually talked and So the the founder of Magnifique DM'd me. He was like, hey, man, I really love what you're doing with our tool. So it was cool. So he was like, he hooked me up with some credits to like get a little bit more experimental. Oh, that's with awesome. It. But ever since then, like Magnifique is definitely part of my process just because I like to upscale pretty much every image because I think people don't understand when you get into the video side, like when I bring it into a runway or a peak, or if you do, if you're training a diffusion model and running it through stable, like you, the smaller details, like the grains of sand or like water droplets, like those are going to get lost mm-hmm. if you do not like you. So I like, feel like a Magnifique tool that upreses it. Like you can really keep those details, mm-hmm. which I think if you're doing sci-fi, if you're doing like genre stuff, it helps because thinking about like a Tesla kicking up dirt or a flying right, car, right. you're going to want like those small details as much as you can keep them. And then from there, I yeah, go into a runway or a Pika most likely. And, and shout out to Runway. They're a really great company. I actually got to Zoom with the, the CEO. Oh, wow. Chris. Yeah, he's a great dude. Again, through my work, they saw some of my stuff and were just like, wow, what you're doing, you're pushing the boundaries of what some of this tech is capable of. And it's cool because no matter what, like the AI is going to get better and better daily. Mm-hmm. Three of how amazing the video is going. Like it's going to look better for sure. Yeah. But it's cool to see, to get credit for pushing some of the, the tech to where I can push it and then knowing that this is still in the beginning. It's going to even get better than this. Like yeah. that to me is amazing to get recognized for. So shout out to Runway for that. They're a great tool. And then Pika is the same way. I again met with uh, some of the technologists and the team over at Pika earlier on with some of my work because they were interested. Wow, like your work is great. We love what you're doing. Because like I said, I'm trying to tell stories and not just put a bunch of montages together. Right. But they're another company that's growing and they, they do great stuff as well. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Have you been contacted by Nike yet? 
Uh, not by Nike yet, but I, I did hear from Shaq. Oh, <laughs> I, what? I guess I can say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, I did hear from Shaq. I, I, I guess I can't go too deep into it, but okay. he's now, the, I guess, the president of Reebok. So Whoa. I will say that the Adidas thing, have, I guess through some mutual friends, I've reached Shaq and he was blown away by it. He wants to talk about some potential oh, opportunities. Wow. So that was cool. That, that is cool. really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Why, why don't we it's, why don't we pivot into the horror filmmaking side of things? Let's so you've done a number of shorts. You've done a lot of work with Crypt TV. And, and obviously yeah. you have you have a feature after she wakes. Let's let's get into your overall horror career. How did you get started? And how'd you because you basically you started with the Crypt TV shorts, right? Yeah, so like I said, I, I was in I was directing commercials for for a company down here in Carlsbad. And and then I forgot how exactly it happened, but somehow I got in touch with the people over at Crypt. One of my good buddies who's also a producer now on his own, Dan Eckerly, he, I think he saw something I did and then he, he, I wanted to direct this short called Splintered mm-hmm. for Crypt TV. And, and then from what I remember, he's saying it was one of the best internally that they thought that they did. And that was a really cool story about a vet, a war vet who was having PTSD and it was in the, in the, in the form of a monster. And then that was a kind of the story is him trying to beat that quote unquote monster and save his family, save his child. So Really, like I said, really cool story I can relate to. Again, my father was in the military, so I grew up around military yeah. my whole life. So I, I appreciate that kind of story because it's a story that doesn't get told uh, that much, the mental toll that kind of stuff takes on you. So that was a great short that I did for Crypt TV. I think that was like 2018 or 2019. Around the same time, I was shot After She Wakes, which was a super like super low budget indie like again it's just i think i should i think their real budget was probably like sixty thousand dollars oh wow i think oh you did a lot with 60 grand yeah it was like yeah i wanted it to be better but there was limitations with budget and and, like i couldn't like do the effects i wish i could have time with my oh my goodness like the monsters like i would have been crazy with the world building because it was very it was a psychological film super like slow burn but so did that and then and i think that yeah that kind of led to some other opportunities. And at the same time, I was also screenwriting. I, I wrote a couple of cool scripts. I wrote one called, or one that's technically in development is for, it's called 48, which is a sci-fi kind of sci-fi thriller about AI in, in a weird way. I won't spoil it too much, but it's about a, a guy who moves into a neighborhood and his daughter is kidnapped. And then he has to try to figure out like who was responsible. And then obviously there's some weird stuff going on in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, that one's a fun one that I have in development. I actually had from that, I actually got rep by UTA oh, nice. as a writer director and then working with Cameron Fuller, who's Brad Fuller's son, Brad Fuller from like the Transformers and Purge oh, and wow. all that stuff. So that was a cool, a cool hookup. And Cam, I met Cam through Crypt TV actually, cause we were pitching a show, a series idea, uh, like, a, like during COVID and then we kicked, we connected and then we started developing 48 together. So that was fun. And then, yeah, and then from there, fast forward to now, like I, I developed a couple of things. So Ninja Punk is an AI spec short that I created that got the attention of Jeremy Bolt, who's from all the Resident Evil films. So we're not talking about developing that into a feature. The script has already been written right. for that. So yeah, Chris White, I mentioned earlier, him and myself and Jeremy are working on that. And that could be interesting. And the, the idea behind Ninja Punk is to show how you can do a, a 75 to $100 million movie for like less than 20 with the AI technology. And I think that's what's exciting to a lot of financiers is how can this help in the overall pipeline? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're an indie filmmaker, you got to pay attention because the movies like the Avengers, like those are going to be a dime a dozen now. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We all see that these budgets are going to shrink 
we all see the flops that were happening and, and a lot of them are great movies the creator i thought was a great movie i thought that was going to do gangbusters and i was surprised that uh, at the response that they received but i think there's definitely going to be a trend of how to do still bigger looking movies yeah but for a third or half the cost and i think ai is going to play a big role in that and i'm already seeing it play a role in that and that's one of the conversations i'm having so from that i shot this short film called another which is based off uh, a horror script that I wrote. And I wrote that script to be like a three to $5 million horror mm -hmm. thriller. So I always knew when I was writing it that I wanted to use AI in some way to, to not only keep costs down, but I think it would be a cool tool to bring some of the horror stuff to life. So I shot the short, I re released that trailer. That's the trailer that kind of went viral over Christmas. <laughs> it was funny, I think it was on Christmas day. Oh, wow. I was like, why is this, this thing's going viral on Christmas day? It was crazy. I was getting like hundreds of thousands of hits oh, on shit. Twitter, millions plus on Reddit, and then and then wherever else it was shared. And then I was getting a lot of a lot of heat and a lot of comments and a lot of people hitting up about that. So I think that's a great example of again a smaller production. Like I was a three man crew. Yeah, you know we shot live action, and then a lot of the horror bits are going to be done using like stable diffusion and mid journey Super and runway. Cool. But it's going to be a great. I think it's going to be a great example, and and to your point, a pioneering example of how it can be used today yeah. and not a year from now. Because I think a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not AI is not ready yet. Why well, I, I disagree. I think if you use it sparingly, it actually can be ready today with the technology. Yeah. You just got to be smart how you use it. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen the first feature yet, like a feature that leans on AI in some kind of significant way, but it sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, exactly. I'm just waiting for that checkbook to open. Yeah. <laughs> then, you'll, then you'll see it. It still takes some... There's a lot of people with money that they, they want to throw it at this stuff. They do. Yeah. But there's still that fear, right? There's still that hesitance of how would this be received in the marketplace? And I always think about it like this. I think no matter... Even if the film was good or bad... If you put a film out that was made a lot with AI, people are even people who are against it are going to want to see what the hell it can do. Yeah, like they're oh, yeah. going to want to see like, what can AI really do. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be surprising for when that film does come out. People are going to be blown away. They're like, "Holy shit!" Like maybe I should pay a little bit more attention. Yeah, yeah, especially if they can't tell what's AI and what isn't, which is happening with yeah. photographs now, like crazy. But I think when it comes Insane. to yeah, when it gets to that level with cinema, and I feel like it's almost, if not already there. That's when yeah. it'll really hit people like, oh, but I do think with maybe not with images, but I do think with movies, ultimately, there's going to be that sense of like when you look at something that's CGI and like a car accident that's in CGI or a CGI blood, you don't feel it the same way as you do when it's practical. And I sure. think that, I don't know what the term is. It's not uncanny valley, but I think it's just your mind's eye realizes what's real and what isn't. I think we'll always I, know what's CG, what's, what's, what's AI versus actually shot yeah. which i think is a good thing because i think it'll like we were talking about before we love like practical effects and cinema and all of that but i feel like it's like when you use practical effects if you're doing like a practical monster or something and then you use yeah. cgi to enhance it then it looks incredible like shape of water exactly, exactly. and the new star wars movies they built as much as they could and it enhanced with ai now you build yeah, as much as you can enhance with cgi then enhance that with ai and holy shit it's yeah, like endless you possibilities. You hit it on the head. Actually, in The Mandalorian is a great example, too. If you think about virtual production, mm -hmm. like they built a lot of sets in front of a screen, right? And like when you watch that show, I don't know what the hell, where does the screen begin and where does it end? Yeah, I can't tell. I guess I can't tell. They shot this in a giant volume. You can't tell. It, sounds like they, it looks like they went to another planet and totally shot it. Totally thought they did. Which I think, to your point, that's what AI is going to do. It's going to be, for, for the bigger studio films, it's going to enhance the CGI. 
It's mm-hmm. going to enhance the practical. For the smaller indie films, it's probably going to replace a lot of the CGI, but it's also still going to enhance the practical. To your mm. point, if it's a monster, if you can still build a monster suit, build it, then enhance yeah. the stuff that's coming off its body with AI. Like, mm-hmm. You can do some really cool stuff where you mix the technologies. And I think that's where, that's where, that's like the immediate next one to two years, I think, is going to be that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think three to five years, we're probably going to see a lot more. AI replacing the CGI pipeline a little bit more. Probably. And if you think of, I, I will say this because I'm deep in the world and I've seen a lot of stuff with AI, which I thought was real and it blew me away. Yeah. So I think, while I think you'll still have a, a different neuro, neurological response than you will to something really happening or real people doing something, I think yeah. it's going to fool a lot more people than what CGI was doing recently. Mm-hmm. But I think CGI still has limitations. Even today, it's like you can only do so much. And I, like I said, I work with one of the best VFX supervisors on, on in the world. And he even admits, like, it's still limitations. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be limitations on AI. There's going to be limitations on everything. But I think AI might be able to bridge the CGI a little bit more with the practical and, and make it feel a little bit more grounded. Yeah. So that's my prediction. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I'm, I'm wondering where it's going to go with people, though. I really hope we don't get to a point where we can completely replace actors. But there is something yeah. interesting about we can suddenly have a James Dean movie again. But I don't know. I feel like watching it, you something internally will yeah. be like, I don't know. This doesn't feel right because I know no, that this is not real. I always think about one of the more recent Terminators when they brought back Arnold right. really young. Or, or like when they are like the newest Indiana Jones, when the first opening shot, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like a young Harrison Ford. Oh, wow. So it's like, for me, it's like, again, it's like CGI's already been doing that for years. Yeah, that's true. Um AI might get a little bit more realistic, but again, like I'm in the camp of use real actors. Mm-hmm. So some, so I know there's a lot of AI enthusiasts who are excited to replace Hollywood completely. Like I'm not in that camp. Yeah, I love AI. I think it's, it's going to be historical and groundbreaking, but I still want to use real actors where I can. And I think it's going to be like the, the digital doubles or, or like the stunt or like the, the special effects stuff. Def, AI is definitely going to enhance some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you think about you're building like those scene shots where there's like a million people in the crowd, like sure, AI easy. is definitely going to be doing easy. Monsters, I think a lot of not human performance, like yep. monsters or, or like things like that, AI is going to definitely take over and create all that, all those pipelines. But it's you know it's like again when you watch a movie and that cgi character a human trying to be it just looks like rubber like it doesn't look real no matter what yeah and we're talking about how many years of cgi has been out a while like, even, Jurassic even Park's avatar a long time ago has, yeah avatar is incredible still looks fake yeah like it still doesn't look real <laughs> like as incredible as avatar is a movie like it still doesn't look like yeah. it looks like digital people right so right. It's, at the end of the day it's and that you're talking about <laughs> the, the, the god the goat <laughs> yeah using the, the greatest technology and you can still watch it and know that it's not completely yeah After so 12 what was it 12 years working on that movie 12 years working on that movie yeah. and and it, don't, don't get me wrong it looks fantastic yeah, it looks phenomenal incredible but phenomenal but still like you said there's still that human emotional response when you're watching it you're like well, this is still all computer generated no yeah. matter what we haven't gotten to that point where we watch a cgi scene and say is this real is this fake is this real is this fake you know these but I think we will. I think, I, like I said, CGI enhanced with AI, I think, can get there. I yeah. think it will. Like in two to three years, like yeah. that short of a time period. I'm excited about the kind of micro example of like people who have shorts or who have a feature yeah. that they put out and they maybe couldn't afford a good sound mix 
or a good color correct. Yep. And I think AI is going to help just smoothen a lot of that out for a lot of people who are on, on the indie side. I think that it's an incredible Absolutely. tool and it's going to really democratize the playing field. But then there'll still be there, there will be the James Cameron of AI, somebody who uses it to that level where oh, yeah. it's just so incredible. But yeah, it's, I'm excited to see what happens. I, I think it's yeah, exciting. It's, it- it's interesting you mentioned like the small nuances. No one ever thinks about AI and thinks about like the small niche nuance yep. things that can change a film or change a piece of work. But no, I agree. I think there's going to be so You see how many technologies come out daily. Like you get a new Discord invite every single day. Come join my Discord. I have a new, check out my new app. Check right. out my new technology. So it's, it's endless, right? It's endless of what AI is going to be able to do. And it's really going to, it's going to come down to you as a creator and as a user to figure out for, I think also for me, this is a great thing to mention is I stayed in my lane. I'm focusing on filmmaking, content creation, video. Like I'm not trying to get out there and be like the biggest technologist in all these other spaces. And there's so many different ways you can use AI for different things, but I'm, I'm really focused on because I'm a filmmaker. So I want to yeah. just focus on AI in my space, become an expert at that. If I become a pioneer in it, great. If not, if someone else does great. Yeah. But I think being a part of that, I think that's my biggest focus with AI is like, how do I help the community? How do I show these things are capable? How do I help in those conversations where I see someone getting bashed because they use AI, which right. I like to jump in and try to be as like, I always think about those guidance counselors back in high school. Hold on guys. Like here's someone talking from both sides of the fence. <laughs> I went to art school. I'm an artist. I get where you're coming from, but let this guy cook, man. Let him cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it makes a lot of sense. Since you straddle both worlds of filmmaking and marketing, is there any kind of, what advice would you have for filmmakers and what advice would you have for marketers in terms of adopting and implementing AI? First and foremost, definitely dive into to mid-journey. Definitely get your pitch decks up to snuff. Get your shorts or your sizzle reels using original stuff that you can create. Using like a mid-journey, Dolly, Runway, Pika. Like they're all readily available. They don't cost a lot of money. And it will, I think, from, my, from what I've seen when it comes to pitching with studio execs and producers, it, they're very impressed by it. I will say I'm getting meetings. I'm getting calls from managers, agents, oh. producers. People in the studio system are like taking notice because it's looking different than anything they've seen. So we're... Like you said, we're early enough. We're adopted now. You're yeah. still going to be early. You're not going to be late. You're still early. Like it's still very early. If you look at mid-journey members, I think it's only a, 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 in the millions. They're not like in the tens of 20 millions wow. of people using it. So it's still very small. It feels like it's everywhere. Right. It feels like it's got to be a billion people doing this, but it's still very, still very small community who's actually using it like daily and trying to make something of it. Yeah, you still have a chance to be part of the beating edge, the cutting edge of using it in your sales and your pitching and your marketing. And then when you think about from a advertising standpoint, marketing standpoint, like same idea, like you're trying to land a job. Like I just directed. So I just became DGA, I think officially. I think oh, congrats. Yeah. So I just became DGA because I just shot a, a union commercial. So there again, more proof that I'm still working with crews. I still appreciate that side of filmmaking and production. But just shot a union commercial with my my buddy Jason Zeta, who's actually another horror filmmaker. Oh, nice! He, he did The Forest back in 2016 with Natalie Dormer, and he his company Secret Level reps me as a commercial director. Through them, I'm doing I'm directing as a DGA member and doing broadcast spots. So we I can't name the client, but we actually just shot one that's going to incorporate AI, which is interesting to me because that's considered groundbreaking, and that's something that hasn't been seen before at, at a broadcast level. So that's going to be coming out in the next month. And then, so that's, again, that's my cue to the industry from advertising, like start incorporating these tools in 
your pitching, start incorporating it into your ideation because it's people are looking for these type of things, these type of ideas, and you could not only sell through an idea, or if you're a director trying to win a treatment or, or pitch a treatment and win a bid, start incorporating it in yeah. your thought process, start incorporating it in how you're going to bring the film to life because it's definitely intriguing to a lot of these clients. They, again, they're so far removed from it. They see it, they probably dabble in mid-journey, a lot of them, mm -hmm. but to see you pitch to them how you can enhance their brand, enhance their story using these cutting edge tools, that's exciting. No yeah. matter, even if they don't end up using it, you might get the job. You still might get the job because right. you're thinking so differently. Yeah. So I think that's my, yeah, that's my feedback. Nice. Yeah, I feel like just hearing this conversation, another recommendation would be to learn art in some way, learn artistic terms and concepts and art history yes. and composition and lighting and things like that, because you're just going to need to be very articulate artistically in order to make stuff that is cutting edge and actually gets people's attention. Because I'm so glad you brought that up. So glad you brought that up. I'm, I forgot to touch on that. Yeah, a lot of my prompts... I use cameras, I use different lenses, I use different angles. I use everything that you, you would use storyboarding or actually use on the day when you're filming a shot, I use it in my composition, right? So we're gonna talk about, I, I use the Alexa a lot, I use prime lenses a lot, I use my favorite lens, obviously 50 millimeter, sometimes 35 millimeter. Nice. I feed all that in. I feed the type of lighting, volumetric lighting, I feed atmospheric if I wanna add haze to the scene. There are things that, again, only true artists, true filmmakers will know that's how you stand out. You bring your art to it. And then if you don't have that background, you learn. You still bring yourself up as if you're a traditional filmmaker because you're still going to have to understand that 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 process and that filmmaking stance if you want to make, like I said, make a splash. Mm -hmm. Or else your stuff's going to look like everyone else's, right? right. It's not going to look different. Because sure, Mid-Journey can output an incredible image, but that's just one incredible image. If you have to do a whole 60-second thing, you got to put out a bunch and they all have to feel cohesive and they all have to feel like they're from a filmmaker and from a voice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, yeah, to your point, that's why my stuff probably has stood out is because I am propping it like a real filmmaker, like an artist would. Yeah, for sure. Study art, for sure. Art history is huge. I, I took art history for years, four years, learning about all the different types of arts, surrealism, like uh, cubism. Like you want to be able to reference those type of arts too if you're trying to create a certain look. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, I feel like it's so important. And again, the, the real artists will win. And when it comes down to all of this and the people who who, who know all of this Absolutely. stuff. Cool, man. Before we wrap up, do you have any favorite no. AI life hacks that are either for image gen, video gen, or just regular AI in general, like ChatGPT or whatever? Any life hacks? I, yeah, this, yeah, I'll reveal one of my biggest secrets all right. <laughs> to why my stuff looks the way it does. Strictly for you, for your podcast, for your viewers. Thank you, sir. Never been told before, but for filmmakers, if you want to create a buttery smooth video montage or even just a one, just one like five second, 10 second clip, like I, I, I go back to the Tesla shot with the slow motion of the dirt kicking up and you see the rocks coming up or like the paint swirling and you really see every little detail. It's because I'm using a tool called Topaz AI for video. And I'm, when I'm exporting it from Topaz, I'm changing the frame rate to either 60 to 120 frames per second, and I'm removing jitter, and I'm stabilizing mm. the clip. These are things that not everyone knows how to do or knows to do, but because I know filmmaking and the post-production process, we do it a lot. Stabilize the clip, remove jitter, remove flicker. You can do all those in the Topaz um, app, which I think is about 200 bucks. They sometimes give like a 40% off deal here and there, but that's probably my biggest secret weapon. And I'll just mm. tell people because I want people to I want people to use it and to create amazing shit like that changes your image, man, like your video output. And then you can make it all the way up to 8K. 
Whoa. So you not only are – yeah, you can up it to 8K, dude. And I just got a Mac 2 Ultra. My MacBook Pro, which I did the Adidas stuff on, it would have blew up. <laughs> but I just got a Mac 2 Ultra. After doing a job, I was finally able to afford it because Christmas took everything from me because I have kids. Yeah. But that – yeah, Topaz, game changer. Oh, your, wow. your shit will change forever. Like, it will look way different than anyone's. People won't understand. How did you make a clip that's 10 seconds, that slow-mo, and with all the details kept in? There's your trick. It's the first oh, time wow. I ever admitted that. Special breaking news. <laughs> that is very generous. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. And I think the listeners no. are really going to go wild. That's awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see. <laughs> Sweet. Dave, this was this is a pleasure and a whole lot of fun, man. Thank you. And thanks for, for kind of just showing the, the way to a lot of people, like where this technology is going, how to use it, what where the, the direction the wave is going in. I feel like you're doing really awesome looking and important work. So thank you. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate uh, having me. And yeah, I'm just going to continue to just keep doing it. And hopefully more people will just join in because I think the more of our filmmakers or indie filmmakers specifically we get in this space, we'll be yep. able to control our narrative and control the future. 100% To some agree. degree. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you again. Thanks, Nick. All right, brother. All Thanks. All right. Thank you as always for listening to Brand Bots. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button today so you never miss an episode. Want to learn more about AI and share actionable strategies with other AI marketers? Join the BrandBots LinkedIn group, a dedicated space for marketers to collaborate, learn, and trade strategies in the field of AI. Dive into vibrant discussions, get inspired by innovative approaches, and be part of a network that's shaping the future of AI in marketing. Don't miss out. Visit brandbotspodcast.com slash LinkedIn today and join. That's brandbotspodcast.com slash LinkedIn. I'll see you there.